Christmas. I wonder what you think of when you hear that word Christmas. What are the thoughts and the feelings and the memories that are evoked within you when you hear about Christmas? Is it a roast turkey with all the trimmings, with the Yorkshires and the roast potatoes and the veg? Maybe you think back to that one Christmas years ago where Santa bought you that present that changed everything for you that year. Maybe you think back fondly of times with friends and family, some of whom are still here and maybe others of whom who aren't. But as we approach Christmas 2020, I think we're all doing it with a little bit of hesitancy because as we look back and we're closing off this year of 2020, so much has gone wrong. So much has not gone to plan, has it? So much has had to be cancelled and changed and tweaked last minute because of lockdown, coronavirus, isolation, job loss, recession, political disunity and mistrust. I think in years to come, we'll look back at 2020 as the year of the write-off because so much has just not gone to plan. However, as a Christian, as I approach Christmas 2020, I am still approaching it along with two billion other people in this world, may I add, with hope, with joy and with happiness. And that might sound like a strange thing, particularly thinking about current circumstances and all that's happening in the world. But my Christmas is defined not by what's happening around me, but by an event that happened over 2,000 years ago. Of course, I'm talking about that very first Christmas, where we remember Jesus coming down from heaven, out of deity, into humanity as a person to save us. And this first Christmas literally split history in two, so much so that our whole calendar system is dictated by it. We see our calendar system, don't we, as BC, before Christ, and then bang, that first Christmas happening, and then AD, the year of our Lord, happening after that. It is a momentous occasion, and I believe as a Christian, it was an occasion that happened, but still has massive ramifications right here today in 2020. And I want to take just a few moments of your time today to tell you some things about that first Christmas. And you may be familiar with that first Christmas. You no doubt would have seen on your TV over the years or read about the first nativity. You may this time last year have been at your son or your daughter's school, just like I was 12 months ago, crammed into a hot, stuffy assembly room, a big school hall, which obviously we haven't done all year, have we, with social distancing, watching my eldest boy, who was five at the time, Judah, partake in his school nativity. And Judah wasn't in the starring male role as Joseph. He wasn't a wise man. He wasn't a shepherd. He wasn't even a sheep or a farmyard animal. Judah was one of 30 camels. Now, who knew that at the nativity scene there were 30 camels, but apparently there were. And if you're unfamiliar with the nativity story, you will actually find its original source found in the Bible, in what we would call the gospel books. These are four stories told by four different men, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, about the life of Jesus. Gospel literally means, in essence, good news. So we hear the same story, the good news of Jesus from Mark, from Matthew, from John and from Luke. Now, you might think that sounds a little bit pointless, having four of the same story told in one place. Surely, once you've read Matthew, you don't need to read Mark, Luke or John because it's saying the same thing. Well, it is in essence, but it's also not at the same time. I'm sure you, like me, have been at an epic event where you have run away and told people the good news of what has happened. 
And I'm sure you, like me, have been there when someone else who was present at that event tells a story, but it's told differently to how you would tell it. There's things that you didn't see or completely missed. Why? Because you were seeing the story through different eyes, to a different perspective, through different storytelling. And this is exactly what happens with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Let's put it this way. If next year Hollywood were to commission a made a studio like Warner Brothers or MGM to make the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, they would choose one of these writers depending on the genre or the angle they wanted to present this film. So, for example, if you wanted to tell the history of Jesus and all that meant, you would go straight to Matthew. As you read the good news of Jesus as written by Matthew, there's a lot of history in there. You talk about lineages and you see uh, Jerusalem and Jews way back for thousands of years brought into the present. If you like action, and I'm sure there's some action fans out there who are no doubt partaking in that age-old argument that happens every time this year, whether Die Hard is a Christmas film or whether Die Hard isn't a Christmas film. Well, if you're an action fan, you would say Die Hard is a Christmas film and Mark would be your director. He is fast and furious. It is action-packed. It's pacey. There's loads of immediately's happened. Bang, bang, bang. So much so that Mark doesn't even tell us about the birth of Jesus. He wants to get to all the miracles and the things happening in Jesus' 30s. If you like detail and drama and all intricacies and clever plot lines, you would like Luke. Luke was a medical doctor and when he wrote the story of Jesus, he wanted to get all the nuances, all the descriptive words. He wanted to see every angle so Luke would be your director. Now, if you like those Hollywood films that always seem to win the Oscars, but no one really understands at the first watching, something like Inception, take you three or four times of watching that film to understand what's going on, you would absolutely love John. See, John's gospel is all about metaphor and it's all about imagery. As you look through John's gospel, he talks about absolutes a lot. You see, love and hate and truth and lies, and good, and evil, and he plays these two things off against each other, and light, and darkness. So if you're into all that stuff, you would like John. However, John's nativity is very different to Matthew and Luke's. If we were to go to Matthew and Luke, you would see the nativity scene that you play out every year in school halls across our nation, and on TV. When you get to John, though, when he talks about Jesus coming to earth, leaving heaven and coming in bodily form to dwell among humanity, it's very different. And it's John I want to take you to today. So I'm just going to read a few sentences from John's book in the Bible. And if you know the Bible, you want to find it yourself. Uh, I'm reading from the first chapter, starting at verse four. Listen to how different this is from the stable scene with Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, wise men and shepherds. The word gave life to everything that was created, the word being Jesus. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's a little bit different, isn't it? 
from the stable scene. And as I said, you might want to read that over a few times to try and understand the picture that John is trying to create. But I love the fact he represents Jesus as light coming into a dark world. As we look back and we are closing out this year of 2020, darkness would probably be a pretty good metaphor for all that we have gone through and experienced in varying degrees, whether it be coronavirus or job loss or heartache or, or, or just personal things that have got on top of you this year. And, and John talking into that, the world is a dark place with its troubles and its storm, but in the inception of Jesus coming to earth as a human, he says a light was turned on and instantly the darkness was lit up and I love what John said, the darkness had no answer for it. You will know walking into a dark room, as soon as you switch on a light switch, bam, the lights come on, everything is seen, everything is exposed. And this is what John is trying to communicate here. So I want to use that metaphor of light in darkness to talk to you about Jesus coming to earth and what that means for us right here, right now in 2020, whether you're watching in Luton or further afield. I honestly believe that first Christmas, as I said, 2,000 plus years ago has huge ramifications right here in the here and now. And I very quickly want to talk to you about three lights I believe were turned on in Jesus coming to earth, leaving heaven, coming into the mess and the myriad and all the experiences of earth. You see, the very first light I believe that was turned on in Jesus coming from heaven to earth is the light of relationship the light of relationship. We saw, didn't we, the the power of that parent relationship in that drama from our amazing team with astronaut Miller, thousands of miles away in space, sending a message home to Cam and her husband from space, wishing them a Merry Christmas and her longing to be with them. And I want to tell you that our God, the God we serve as Christians, is exactly like that. He is like a father figure, a parent who is desperate for relationship with us. But unlike astronaut Miller, who was thousands of miles away, removed, he is absolutely here and present in the here and now. I love what she said, that as she walked out into into the the great unknown of space and looked at the vastness and the stars, she just realised how small and insignificant she was. It doesn't take going to space to feel that, does it? I, like you, have probably gone out a number of times into an amazing evening with a clear sky, looked up at the stars and, and just had a moment and a sense of how small I am. And all the worries of life and all the joys of life can feel so all-consuming in the time. But when you stop and consider how big our universe is, it, it, it puts things into perspective. Now, the different thing about the Christian faith to any other faith in history is the personableness of God. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he came as God, literally leaving heaven, as I said, putting on flesh, bone and blood and skin to come and be with us. And he didn't just come to be with us. He became like us. Why did he do that? I believe there's something really specific in why he did that. I believe he did that so he could know and experience what we go through and then help us through it. You see, when people think of God, when when people imagine what he's like, they imagine this distant entity that is light years and galaxies away who, who maybe created the earth and everything in it and then sort of left us to get on with it. But as I read the Bible, that is not the God that is presented to us. Scholars and theologians, men who have devoted their lives and women to to study the scriptures over their centuries and decades have talked about the Bible as God's love letter to us. 
As we read the Bible, we see that God is like a father who loves his children. And in Jesus coming and opening that door of relationship and shining that light of relationship in a dark and lonely world, he gives us the option, John tells us, to become a son and daughter of him. He's not far removed. He's not way out there in space. The Bible tells us that as you were literally formed in your mother's womb, he was watching and knitting you together. We're told that he knows the amount of hairs on your head. He knows you that personally. And maybe that's easier for some of us than others. And there's a beautiful verse tucked away that talks about God as a father who watches over and sings over you as you sleep. You see, the God we serve isn't distant and away. He loved us so much that he sent his son, put skin on him and brought him to earth. The, the Greek word, you'll know the Bible wasn't obviously originally written in English thousands of years ago. It was written in Greek. When he talks about Jesus, John, coming to earth and putting skin on, the word he uses there in some translation is he came to dwell among us. Well, the Greek word literally means that Jesus came and pitched his tent in our back garden. That's how desperate he is to get to know us and come into relationship with us, that he's willing to get his tent poles out, get his canvas out and pitch it in your back garden because he longs for relationship for us. In a year marked with isolation, in a year marked with lockdown, in a year marked with loneliness, it is good news, it is light in the darkness to know that there is a God out there who not only created you, but loves you right now wherever this finds you. So light one was switched on the light of relationship that extinguished forever the darkness of loneliness for those who would accept it. Light number two is the light I want to call of grace. Now you might be unfamiliar with that word grace. Maybe you know grace as being elegant, somewhat unlike me actually, but people are described as graceful who are elegant, who, who hold themselves in a certain way. Well, Biblically and theologically, that word grace has far deeper meaning to it. There's far more depth in that. In a nutshell, grace means undeserved favour. It is getting something that you absolutely don't deserve, which is really foreign to us here on earth, isn't it? Because we're told right from the moment we can walk and talk that if we want something, we have to work really hard to get it. If we want an A star in our exams, we better make sure we revise and we study and we get in our books. If we want to climb the top of that career ladder, we have to be the first one in and the last one out and work really hard. If we want to exceed in a sport or athletics, we have to be at the gym five days a week, eating the right food, constant discipline and vigilance. But grace turns that on its head. You see, grace is undeserved favour. And when we talked about that first light of relationship, the thought that maybe came to your mind, as it did to mine when I first heard about grace, is, well, actually, even if God has given me this sense of relationship and given me the light of relationship and opened the door for me to come and be his son and daughter, once he spends some time with me, he will want to revoke that right because actually I don't deserve it. There was that time X amount of years ago where I said this, or was that that time last month when I did this? There's that thing that absolutely nobody knows about that I hold so secretly locked away because I'm so ashamed of it. I want to give you a little revelation really, really quickly. 
God already knows and God has already written it off. Talking about 2020 being the year of the write-off, let me tell you, God knows your deepest, darkest, most intimate secrets and he loves you exactly the same as he loves what you consider the most perfect person. There's nothing you can do, good or bad, that can separate you from the invitation that God gives us to come into relationship with him. This is amazing. Grace is a gift freely given. It's not by anything you've done, the Bible tells us, so you can't boast about it. It is a gift. And obviously, we're at Christmas, we're talking about gifts. And if it's okay to be a little bit truthful for a moment, there comes a time every December where I sit down with my wife and we we start to compile a list of who we're going to give gifts to and more often than not we decide who we're going to give gifts to not because of who we like or who we want to give gifts to more often than not it's because we know someone's going to give us a gift and it's going to be awkward if we don't have to give a gift back it's it's almost giving a gift with a string attached well here's what's amazing about God there's none of that with him the gift of grace that God gives there's no strings attached all he asks you to do is to accept it It's not how high you can jump. There's no entrance exam. There's nothing you have to give back to him other than say, God, I accept your gift of grace. I accept your gift of relationship. Goodness me, isn't that a light in a dark place? And finally, light number three, I believe that shone into a dark place on that first Christmas when Jesus was born in that stable with Mary and Joseph. We've got the light of relationship that extinguished the darkness of loneliness. We've got the light of grace that extinguished the darkness of unworthiness. We have the light of hope that extinguishes the darkness of hopelessness. And if there's ever a time, I believe, friends, we need hope, 2020 going into 2021 is a time where we need hope. I love that drama done by our team here at LCF, the lighthouse keeper, George. That picture of him on Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day, lonely in the top of his tower, shining a light in a darkness, cutting up the darkness to protect and literally to save lives in a storm. And there's that family, isn't there, bobbing around in the middle of the ocean in darkness, buffeted by winds and rain and and thunder and lightning. And I can imagine that the dad and the mom and the, the children, they're just so, so full of despair and hopelessness. And instantly, as soon as they see this light cut through the darkness, I imagine that changes in an instant. Where there was once hopelessness, there's now hope. Where there was once despair, there is now lightness and joy. And let me tell you, that is just such a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done in my life and I know in many of your lives who are watching now those who've come into relationship with Jesus accepted his gift of grace they will tell you that they have hope for life and so often when we think about Christianity the hope that is projected is it's like a a pie in the sky for when I die it's a hope that's for later but the Christian hope is so much more than that the Christian hope I want to tell you that Jesus gives us is hope for our day today And as that family were out there in the storm, that light giving them hope, I can imagine George standing in his lighthouse atop, shining that light on them, saving their lives, bringing them hope and feeling a joy in that. I believe Jesus does exactly the same thing. The metaphor is there. Jesus shines a light into every hopeless situation that you might be facing and gives you hope and new life and fresh vision for what 
is next. Jesus shines the light of hope in every hopeless situation. And I'm sure many of you won't be found on a boat this Christmas, caught in the middle of the storm, but let's use the metaphor. We have all been through storms in our life, haven't we? And maybe some of those storms have been in 2020. Maybe the storm is called job loss. Maybe the storm is called relationship breakdown. Maybe the storm is called redundancy. Maybe the storm is called coronavirus. Maybe the storm is called grief. Maybe the storm is called illness. But we all face storms. Let me tell you, Jesus will meet you wherever you are at and breathe new life and fresh vision and hope into that situation. As you go into Christmas 2020, I am praying for you personally, whoever's watching, that is going to be a time of hope. I pray this Christmas that you will see, if you haven't seen before, a light of relationship with the Creator God, a Father in heaven who is crazy about you, that you will be able to access this gift of grace that is freely given. And more than anything, you are walking into a new year full of hope. Now, you may not know much about the Christian faith. You may not know what we do here. You may even walk past our building day by day here at 101 Castle Street in Luton and not have a clue what happens in here. I want to tell you, we're just people who love Jesus. We are people who have found light in a dark situation, coming from all different backgrounds, over 50 nations represented in this one church. One thing in common, we saw a light shine in the darkness. Hope has a name, friends. His name is Jesus. I hope you've been able to enjoy our production tonight. And I'm just so happy that you have been able to log on and see this. And I'm sure that there might be a few of you who are watching who want to ask some questions on this. This isn't a production we're just putting online and and hoping someone watches it and forgets about it. We're hoping that this will be the start of a relationship between you and us. That if you have any questions about some of the things we've talked about and some of the things we do here, we'd love to meet you and talk through that. So you'll find us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us right here at 101 Castle Street, but we'd love to meet you. You can email us as well at admin at lcf.biz. I'm going to take a moment now and hand you back over to our team as we carry on with LCF Christmas, the light of Christmas.